0: So one of the things that I ask people right out the gate is, how did you arrive at your pricing? And I'm always shocked how frequently the answer is that they just pegged it to their competitor or that's what they feel the market can bear, but they don't have any concept of what it actually costs for them to bring that product or service to their customers. Welcome to the Audience Converter Podcast, the podcast for converting your audience from strangers to loyal fans we dive deep and discuss how entrepreneurs, consultants, and coaches can level up their business to help more people in the world. Now here's your host, the creator of the audience conversion method, Kimberly Whitecamp.
1: Are you a community leader who's looking to really build your community through the power of email? It's the first chance you have to get in front of the right people, and you should make the most of it. So many community leaders take the template approach and you've lost your community before they've even found you. How about crafting the perfect welcome series instead? You can grab my guide, crafting the perfect welcome series at theaudienceconverter.com slash giveaway. Discover the tips and tactics I use to help my clients get up to an 80% open rate. When people open those first few emails, they're more likely to continue opening your messages, engaging, and buying from you. Build your community the right way with a welcome series that converts. Grab your copy at theaudienceconverter.com giveaway. All right, everyone, we are back again with another episode of the Audience Converter podcast. And today's topic is one of those things so many of us think that we can do on our own. And it's really, really beneficial for us to outsource it. I am talking today about business accounting and figuring out the money side of running our actual business. I know when I first got started, I had these ideas that uh, did not really line up with how a business is supposed to be run, and I didn't know very much about financing and accounting and all of that wonderful and great thing. So today, we're really talking a lot about, you know, how to really price properly, why pricing on feel doesn't really work for you, and of course you know, the art of goal setting and how it relates to the finances that you're going to bring it to your business and so many other things about the art of finances and accounting that really is the key for us growing our businesses and growing as an entrepreneur. Oftentimes, it's one of those things we should outsource fairly early on, but of course, you you always have to be at the right level to outsource. We also cover a little bit about the questions to ask when looking for an accounting firm. So I've got a really great guest, uh, an accountant who works a lot with entrepreneurs who really dives deep into these topics and it's definitely worth a listen to anyone out there who runs their own business and needs to figure out the accounting side of things. So take it away. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Audience Converter Podcast. I'm Kimberly Whitecamp, your host, conversion copywriter and marketing strategist. And today, we're going to talk about something that's incredibly important for entrepreneurs if they want to grow, but it's one of those things that many of us are kind of thrown into the deep end on, and that is accounting. And of course, to help me talk about this, I have an accountant, of course. It's wonderful. I am so excited to have Kaylee Canavan, a Colorado native who attended Regis University, where she earned a BS in accounting with a minor in human resource management. Before founding her Canavan Financial Group in 2013, she spent several years as an account manager for a local accounting firm in Littleton, Colorado. And then in 2017, she joined with others and became Canavan, Sedell, and Associates. Prior to her career in accounting and small business, she worked for six years for a Denver concert promoter. So she's definitely well-rounded, and she knows her stuff when it comes to accounting and how it works in the entrepreneurial world. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, Kaylee, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you, not because I love numbers or because I love accounting, but because it's one of those things that all of us are so confused on when it comes to entrepreneurs. Uh, but before <laughs> yeah. we dive in to the nitty gritty, do you tell me, you know, what was your journey? You know, kind of what was your path to doing what you're doing right now? I mean, from concert promoter to, to working and founding an accounting firm, it's, it's a very, at least to me, it seems like very diverse thing. So I would love to learn more about your journey.
0: Yeah. So when I was 18 years old, I started working in the ticketing department for one of the largest concert promoters in the world. And it was really, really fun. I got to see so many amazing shows and meet so many incredible people. And then I hit the glass ceiling at about $15 an hour. And I realized that I had some very grown up hopes and dreams that were never going to be accomplished in my current path. So while I was sort of soul searching as to what I wanted to do with my life. I was working part time for my grandfather's accounting firm, and he gave me a bookkeeping project. And I thought, Oh, my goodness, I think I have a sickness here. I love this. And so I went back to school, got an accounting degree. And it just, it really, really jives with me. I love the work. So that's, that's how I made the switch there.
1: Fantastic. You know, one of the things that I have noticed when talking with people is they'll kind of stumble upon whatever their entrepreneurial journey is, and then they'll realize, right, I love this. And that's such a key part of making sure that you're building a business that you want to be a part of is that you have to be passionate about what you do. And and while many of us are not passionate about the numbers or bookkeeping, clearly you have found your path for, you know, oh my gosh, I love this. That, That moment of realization is really powerful
0: yeah it's uh we joke in the office that you don't choose the accounting life it chooses you, <laughs> and so that really seems to be how it is, is. The people who love it love it, and the people who don't uh, hire us, hopefully. There you go. So
1: you know, in terms of accounting for entrepreneurs, are there anything special to keep in mind, or anything that um, you know there are specific challenges you have found with people that are different than people who are you know collecting a W2?
0: sure for entrepreneurs it's so important to have reliable books because you use your financial statements to do your taxes of course but really in order to run an effective business you need to be looking at your financial statements more frequently than that so that you can make strategic decisions about how to run your business using the actual financials that exist not just your gut feeling or your emotional responses to how you think your business is generating revenue So I've found over the years that a lot of times when people are starting out or even kind of far into their entrepreneurial journey, sometimes they're doing the books themselves. Sometimes they've got somebody that is not particularly qualified doing the books, and it makes them unable to make real decisions about how to run their business because they're not using good data to make those strategic decisions.
1: I could definitely see where that would be one of those things. I know for quite a while, you know, I would do my own stuff and then realize like, oh, right, it's tax time. I have to do it. And then you kind of go back through and what you thought was working really well, it wasn't working so well. So talk to me a little bit about how can you kind of look at your finances on a regular basis? Like what
0: should you be looking at? That's a great question. So one of the things that I ask people right out the gate is how did you arrive at your pricing? And I'm always shocked how frequently the answer is that they just pegged it to their competitor or that's what they feel the market can bear. But they don't have any concept of what it actually costs for them to bring that product or service to their customers. So a lot of times businesses are losing money, but they don't necessarily know why or how. And it's because they're not looking at what expenses actually go directly into the product and service that they're offering or what expenses they can cut what expenses are really high, and maybe they can renegotiate with their vendors. So those are some great starting off points that I like to look at with my clients, kind of on a quarterly basis of where's your money going? Is it producing a profitable product or service? And how can we make you more efficient, more effective, more profitable?
1: Definitely. I know, um, at least in in my little area of the world, starting out with copywriting, I see so many people asking the question of, you know, is XYZ price a good price? And then my my question to that, you know, because they're asking for feedback is, well, how long do you think it's going to take you? Because people severely underestimate how long a first-time project with a new client's going to take. And they've got like that internal hourly rate if they sat down to figure one out. And then they realize that, oh, they're actually paying themselves less than minimum wage at the current price that they were going to quote.
0: Very, very common. Or sometimes with retail stores, they just buy whatever product they want to carry and mark it up by a certain margin that they think is reasonable, but they haven't factored in their rent and their insurance and their salaries that they have to pay. So the overhead allocation isn't appropriate and they're not actually making a profit on the things that they carry.
1: Absolutely. And I like that you talked about, you know, how it, it can apply in different areas because, you know, overhead isn't just, you know, if you have to rent out a building, but it's also, you know, paying the other people that work for you or making sure that, you know, you've got that internet. Factor in the fact that you use a lot of internet, right? And need like the higher speed if you're going to be doing like regular Zoom calls or something. All of those types of things are things that we, we have as a line item often, but then we don't really factor it into the overall cost and profit areas. Exactly. So, you know, the the starting point then is to kind of go over and at least be checking your books on a regular basis. What is a regular basis? What's a good amount of, I guess, frequency for people to be looking at that?
0: Uh, No less than monthly is what I would recommend. So the basics of bookkeeping is you put your transactional data into your books and then you're reconciling what is in your books with what your bank statement shows to make sure that no bank errors have occurred, to make sure that what you've recorded is actually what happened because we've all carried a decimal from time to time, but it gives you completely inaccurate data if you're not verifying it and reconciling it. So I recommend that people reconcile those books every month when those statements come out. That way you can then look at your income statement, profit and loss balance sheet and say, okay, here's where I actually am, not just where my gut thinks that I am and you can make strategic decisions and also track your goals in real time as you do it. Now, there's some people who are obsessive and they look at their books a few times a week like I do, but definitely no less frequently than once a month.
1: Awesome. And you talked about, you know, reconciling. Is Does that just mean like making sure that you're keeping track of, you know, things that you paid and people that paid you?
0: Um. Nope. Reconciling is actually an accounting function that most bookkeeping software will allow you to do where you put in your beginning statement balance from your bank statement and your ending statement balance. And you actually verify every single transaction that occurred during that period to make sure that your bank agrees with your books so that you know that it's the real picture. And one of the reasons that that's so important is because bank errors are very real and they happen. And we have caught sometimes really significant bank errors through the reconciliation process. Say somebody deposited $20,000 but the bank moved that decimal one point and only deposited $2,000 into the bank. Without reconciliation, it would be more difficult to catch that. And if you don't catch it quickly, sometimes the bank won't go back more than 90 days and fix those things because it's too stale.
1: Definitely. And, you know, thank you for providing the uh, explanation on that. I had never heard of reconciliation until I actually, like, talked to an advisor three years into my business, I believe. And then suddenly it was like, oh. I have to do this? What is this? I have no idea. And it was completely different than what I thought it was. So I think it's some of those basic things. Yeah, it's really common.
0: (laughs) It's very common. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of times when businesses are starting out, it makes sense that you would do your own books, but you also don't know what you don't know. And so sometimes you get kind of far in before you realize, oh, I haven't been doing this thing. It's actually really important.
1: Absolutely. I am. I do have an accounting software and they offer like, you know, you can talk to an advisor, you know, get a month of support or something. And I, I did it a couple years in and I was really glad I did because I was like, oh, you know, I didn't go to business school. I don't have an MBA. I never learned any of this stuff. I was just kind of going by what I thought I was supposed to do and it was completely different. But I know that there are a lot of entrepreneurs. That's kind of where they start. Or even if they do have some of that background, they don't necessarily remember all the different things that they are needing to to look at. So, you know, first off, I uh, you know, the definition of reconciliation and be checking your books once a month. And then you mentioned something about, you know, it's much easier if you have that data to be able to plan out your goals and, and move strategically. Can you give me an example of what that might look like?
0: Sure. For example, a lot of people, they sit down in December or January and they come up with their next year's goals, right? I want to make a million dollars in revenue, or I want to increase my salary to $75,000 or what have you. But if you don't know where you're starting off from, it's really hard to know whether or not that's a reasonable goal. So for example, if your goal is to make a million dollars in revenue, but your company last year only did a hundred thousand, then that's a pretty lofty goal. But if you know that, then you can break that big picture goal into smaller chunks and say, okay, that means that every month, I need to increase revenue by this percentage. And then those elements can factor into your marketing plan and other strategy as well. Or maybe it's, I want to cut my expenses by 5%. Well, if you don't know what your expenses are, then you don't know what 5% is. And you don't know where you can make those cuts and what opportunities you have.
1: Very, very true. And I think it is one of those things, we, we all have really big ideas about what we want, or we're, we say, okay, we're going to make that declaration. This is the year I break six figures. But, you know, not planning out the big picture and then breaking it down to those smaller chunks, it's a place where a lot of us kind of get lost as to how is that going to happen? We just think it will happen or, oh, we're going to do this. But then, of course, if you're not getting that clear data about how your business is operating, it's much harder for you to figure out if that's even possible.
0: Yeah, we tell our clients that it's sort of like taking a road trip, that if you wanted to end up at a specific destination, would you get out a map and plan your drive? Or would you just get in the car and start driving?
1: (laughs) Well, I must say that for most of us who live in the here and now age, who needs a map, right? Just get on Google Maps and it'll direct you where to go, right?
0: Sure, but you're still using data. It's not just like, oh, I I think South Dakota is north of me, so I'm just going to drive what I think is north.
1: Very true. I live in an area where, you know, if you were just to look at a map, things would look like, it. oh, yeah, you just go straight north, but then, like, none of the highways actually go direct. So you have to go, you know, it, it doesn't look very far, but then, like, with the way the highways actually lay out, it's a very twisty, turny road. Um, and that's kind of a good metaphor for uh, how sometimes it works as you grow your business. And, you know, just
0: getting in the car and driving north to keep using this analogy, doesn't necessarily mean that you won't get to your goal destination, but you might take a more scenic route and you might spend a lot more on fuel than you had intended to.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us who actually did learn how to use a map in school still kind of forget how big maps are in comparison, you know, the, the, what do they call it? The legend, I think, where like, you know, this little like half inch on a piece of paper is actually 500 miles. (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know, it's you have to remember exactly how far away your destination is, even if it looks close. You know, I had a a suite mate in college. She was from Korea. So she was going off of the map and she thought she'd take like a day trip up to Chicago. And I lived in Springfield, Missouri. So that was like an eight hour drive. And uh, when I explained Woo! that to her, she's like, wait, it's eight hours, but it looks like, you know, she could, you know, put like a fingernail between the two on a map. And I said, yes, but it is actually a lot farther than you think it is.
0: Sure. Yeah. And that's what we see a lot with entrepreneurs is that they know that they want to grow their staff or grow their business or allocate so much to marketing. But when I asked them, okay, well, where are you at now? when they're new clients of ours, a lot of times they don't really have a concept. They just think, well, I can't afford to hire staff now. But when we do analysis, we can see, okay, well, you can cut other expenses in different places. And now you can afford to hire a staff member that's going to help you generate more revenue. Or uh, that's just one example. But, you know, you have to have good data to make those decisions before you can really decide which way you want to run in.
1: Definitely. And, you know, I think also if you kind of go and take that inventory of your expenses. You can also find things that you like forgot you were paying for, right? Especially uh, with what just happened, you know, with the world going a little bit strange. uh, A lot of people started looking, okay, finally, I'm going to look and see where am I spending all my money? And a bunch of people were surprised at, oh, I do this monthly subscription of this thing I've used like once maybe in the last two years. Maybe I don't need to be uh, a member of that anymore.
0: Right. Yeah. And the other thing that we thought was that a lot of these SBA loans and different government grants that were available at the time required some really solid financial data. And they also required evidence of that. And people who were doing their own books or maybe using less experienced bookkeeping services weren't able to grab that data on the fly so that they could get in line for these funding opportunities. Uh, Whereas clients of ours, They sent us the request. One day later, they've got the information and they're ready to rock and roll.
1: Definitely. So that brings up a really great question is, you know, when is the right time to start looking for a bookkeeper if you can't afford it at the very beginning? When do you know is the right time to start looking for that? And then, you know, what should you be looking for in a firm that does that?
0: Well, I like to talk to entrepreneurs about how they spend their time. Because a lot of times when somebody's coming to us thinking about hiring an accountant for the first time, they've been doing it themselves. And while they can do it themselves, it's not necessarily the highest and best use of their time, right? So when we all start out, we're all wearing 150 different hats. We're the marketing person, we're the HR person, we're the coffee person, we're we're everyone. But I think that entrepreneurs should focus on what is going to make their business grow and generate revenue and the high-level management stuff and not necessarily be super down in the details with regard to like their accounting, for instance, particularly if they don't have any sort of accounting background. So first, you have to have a budget in mind for what you want to spend on that. And then the other thing that I would caution people towards is What we're seeing in the accounting industry right now is that bookkeeping has kind of turned into the Wild West, in that you don't actually have to have any sort of license or credential to call yourself a bookkeeper. So, when you're thinking about hiring someone, ask them how many years of experience in accounting they have. Ask them whether or not their staff or they have an accounting degree. And look for someone who didn't just hang up a shingle and call themselves a bookkeeper. Look for someone who actually has years of experience working under someone that they could learn from um, and who has actual accounting education so that you don't end up spending money to make a bigger mess that then has to be cleaned up at an even larger cost. And, and don't be cheap on this one. You know, you get what you pay for. And so when you sit down to do your accounting budget, don't say that you're planning to pay someone $15 an hour. That's, that's just not reasonable. Make sure you're vetting the people that you're planning on hiring.
1: Absolutely. It's very, very key when hiring anyone to work in your business, right? That you make sure they have the right experience and the right credentials. Uh, I didn't know that part about not needing any type of credentials to become a bookkeeper. I thought, well, I guess I don't know the difference between CPAs and uh, and a a bookkeeper because… One is an accountant, obviously, and the other, I guess is not. But making sure to to ask the important questions and to actually look at your options, not just, oh,, uh, this one looks good. I found them on a Google search, you know, making sure to actually talk to people before deciding because that's a really big decision.
0: Yeah, I would say that if you're working with somebody who's relatively new in their business, then ask them for some client references for someone that you can talk to that is a client of theirs. And has been for a while, so that you can kind of get firsthand experience from that person as to what you can expect, how it's gone, that sort of thing. Because we're seeing there's a lot of targeted uh, social media advertising that basically says, hey, like you can stay at home and make six figures opening up a bookkeeping business. And so we're seeing a lot of people that don't have any knowledge base in that area calling themselves bookkeepers. And then unfortunately, their clients don't know better and are ending up in some really uncomfortable tax situations. And we end up doing a lot of, for lack of better terms, janitorial work to clean up these books that were handled by someone that wasn't qualified to do so. So just be careful and make sure you're asking good questions and trust your gut. If your gut says this person might not know what they're doing, cut your losses and move on.
1: Absolutely. I could not agree more on that one. You know, I've I've seen a lot of those types of ads where it's not necessarily for accounting, but, you know, work from home and do X, Y, Z. And I, it didn't really occur to me that, you know, that means that there's a lot of people now hanging up their shingles for a lot of different parts of running the business that people don't necessarily understand. I know when I was looking for a VA, which is not handling the finances, but is handling like smaller tasks within a business, you know, I didn't want to just go look on a website I asked for referrals from other people because I was like, look, I want to make sure that the person I'm talking with can understand like directions and can understand what I mean when I say something like this and is open to getting training on my methodology and all those types of things. So, you know, it's really important if you're talking about somebody who's handling your money and handling your books so that you can also kind of see if, you know, what you were talking about with planning strategically and making sure you can reach your goals. If it's not being done properly, you have the wrong information to be moving towards that future.
0: Yeah, referrals are definitely the best way to find a qualified professional, and so I would say if you're thinking about hiring a bookkeeper or an accountant, fractional CFO type role for your company, ask your tax preparer who they recommend because most people who do taxes either their firm also offers those services like mine does, or they have referral relationships with competent people that they know like and trust and they'll steer you in the right direction.
1: Absolutely. Always good advice to look for referrals and to ask around. So Kaylee, I want to say thank you again for coming on, for sharing your wisdom on something that a lot of us are very confused on, but know that is really important in our business. We're almost out of time. So what would you say is the number one action item? What is that one action step people need to take after listening to this episode?
0: Ask yourself when the last time you reconciled your books was. And if you haven't done that recently, then get caught up. And then pull your profit and loss statement and check out ways that you might be able to reduce your cost. Quarterly, I look at mine and I try to always cut my cost by 5% because that's going to give me a better profit margin. So right out the gate, take a look and see where you can start uh, generating more revenue and also more profit.
1: Thank you so much for that. And, you know, we've talked about so many great things here about the importance of checking in on your finances monthly, making sure you're asking the right questions when you do move to, to hire, bookkeeping, and making sure that, you know, you're, you're taking the more direct and uh, profitable route on your road trip of an entrepreneurial journey instead of uh, wandering around everywhere. But, you know, thank you again, Kaylee, for coming on and sharing your wisdom with my audience. If people want to learn more about you and your accounting firm, what can they do and where can they find you?
0: You can find us on our website, which is csaaccounting.com. That's Charlie Sam Alpha and the word accounting.com. And that'll be in the show notes, hopefully. And uh, we are also on Facebook.
1: Absolutely. Do check out Kaylee's uh, accounting firm. She's obviously got lots of experience with working with entrepreneurs. And again, the website is CSA Accounting, and that will be in the show notes along with their Facebook page so you can learn more about Kaylee and what they do. So, Kaylee, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Audience Converter Podcast.
0: For more information and important links about today's show or for access to our website, visit theaudienceconverter.com. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.